episode 16. Coming to you live from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. This is CVS. And now here's your host, David Ross. Welcome back, uh, episode 16. I'm burning through these episodes and we're going to jump right back into the text where I left off last time. I had just read, recall that uh, introduction. Gaudium et Spes, where you mentioned the attitude effect. our non-believer friends, our unbeliever friends. Moving on, the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the men of this age, especially those who are poor in any way afflicted or in any way afflicted, these two are the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. Indeed, nothing genuinely human fails to raise an echo in their hearts, but theirs is a community composed of men. United in Christ, they are led by the Holy Spirit in their journey to the kingdom of the Father and have welcomed the news of salvation which is meant for every man. That is why this community realizes that it is truly and intimately linked with mankind and its history. Beautiful. This is the opening preface. Gaudium et Spes. Church in the Modern World is the pastoral constitution on the Church in the Modern World is the English translation of the title of this document. The joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the men of this age. Very poetic. It's uh, it's true. Whatever is human is not foreign to any of us, especially those who are incorporated in the body of Christ. God became man. There's nothing foreign to us in man. Hence, giving witness and voice to the faith of the whole people of God gathered together by Christ, this council can provide no more eloquent proof of its solidarity with the entire human family with which it is bound up, as well as its respect and love for that family, than by engaging with it in conversation about these various problems. Basically why I do the podcast, it's the new evangelization, Gaudium et Spes, part of the motivation got me excited, uh, indirectly because I, I encountered Gaudium et Spes, catechism of the Catholic Church, but definitely the new evangelization, reaching out to non-Catholics, non-Christians, all people of goodwill. Big part of my podcast. The council begins, the, excuse me, the council brings to mankind light kindled from the gospel and puts it, puts at its disposal those saving resources which the church herself under the guidance of the Holy Spirit receives from her founder. For the human person deserves to be preserved. Human society deserves to be renewed. Hence the pivotal, pivotal point of our total presentation will be man himself, whole and entire, body and soul, heart and conscious, conscience, mind and will. So the enemies of Vatican II will say, ah, you see, this is humanism, this is uh, modernism, this is uh, rupture from tradition, the church is no longer about Christ, now it's about man, man is at the center, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's no longer Christ Christocentric, now a new humanism, modernism, this is the accusation of those who uh, who are enemies of Vatican II and therefore enemies of Christ and his church, in my humble opinion. But it's not true. 
a human is good and God became man. The council brings to mankind. Okay, so I read that already. Uh, therefore, this sacred synod proclaims the highest destiny of man and champions the godlike seed which has been sown in him. It offers to mankind the honest assistance of the church in fostering that brotherhood of all men which corresponds to this destiny of theirs. So the enemies of Vatican II will say, aha, the French Revolution is coming to uh, culmination in Vatican II, this fake church with its, with its French Revolution fraternité, uh, égalité, and uh, liberté, whatever it is. Uh, I see here the Enlightenment philosophy of the French Revolution documents of Vatican II, because that's what they want to see. They don't want to submit to Christ and his church. They want to see rupture. So that's what they see. There are plenty of opportunities to stumble if you want to stumble. Inspired by no earthly ambition. Bing, 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 inspired by no earthly ambition. The church seeks but a solitary goal to carry forward the work of Christ. Does that sound like the French Revolution to you? No, I don't think so. The work of Christ himself under the lead of the befriending spirit, Holy Spirit. And Christ entered this world to give witness to the truth, to rescue and not to sit in judgment, to serve and not to be served. Very, very powerful. The enemies of so-called Novus Ordo Church, need to sit down and read Gaudium et Spes. They need to read it. Be enlightened by God-man Jesus Christ and the church that the God-man Jesus Christ built on the first Pope, St. Peter. No doubt, every, uh, no doubt, very many whose lives are infected with a practical materialism are blinded against any sharp insight into this kind of dramatic situation, or else weighed down by wretchedness, they are prevented from giving the matter any thought, thinking that they have found serenity in an interpretation reality everywhere proposed these days. Many look forward to a genuine and total emancipation of humanity wrought solely by human effort. They are convinced that the future rule of man over the earth will satisfy every desire of his heart. The documents of Vatican II and Gaudium et Spes in particular are critiquing that enlightenment rationalism, French Revolution mentality, directly opposing it explicitly here and clearly here. Nor are there lacking men who despair of any meaning to life and praise the boldness of those who think that human existence is devoid of any inherent significance and who strive to confer a total meaning on it by their own ingenuity alone. Very powerful, very astute observation by the church on the existential angst with which the material, secular uh, humanist and all shades of non-believers fall into this despair, this existential despair. We can make a utopia. We can, uh, we have this optimistic vision like it's up to us and uh, God is dead and let's, let's build a... Uh, Let's build from the ground up because there's no God that's going to do it for us, right? And so the church is critiquing this mindset with very, very firm and strong language. The dignity of the mind, truth, wisdom. Man judges rightly that by his intellect he surpasses the material universe, for he shares in the light of the divine mind. Man judges rightly that by his intellect he surpasses the material universe, for he shares in the light of the divine mind. Let me read that one more time. 
Man judges rightly that by his intellect he surpasses the material universe, for he shares in the light of the divine mind. This could be a mantra, chant over and over again. Remember, we are not merely animals. We are not evolved from apes. We are not... Uh, the, the fetus in the womb is not just a clump of matter. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We transcend the material universe. We surpass it with our intellect. Contemplate that. Meditate on that. If you're not in the church, meditate on this one passage from, from Vatican II. Meditate on it. The breakthrough moment for you. We're not just material creatures. We're not limited to a certain dumbed-down scientism, an absurd and self-refuting scientistic philosophy, a logical positivism, absurd and self-refuting and which limits our knowledge to scientific facts. It's a sad and impoverished worldview document is railing against here. And it's showing us the light, the light of the God-man Jesus Christ and his church. We have a chance to transcend. Let's choose wisely. Let's choose life while we still can. Very inspiring document. Conscience frequently errs from invincible ignorance without losing its dignity. The same cannot be said of a man who cares but little for truth and goodness, or of a conscience which by degrees grows practically sightless as a result of habitual sin. Wow, we should meditate on this passage as well. Gaudium et Spes is a knockout. This is powerful, powerful stuff. I don't need to do apologetics. I just need to point people to Gaudium et Spes. If you're a non-believer, go read Gaudium et Spes. Meditate on it. The dignity of the human person, the transcendence, the divine mind with which we are enlightened, transcend the material universe. And the bleakness of those who, by degrees, grow practically sightless, blind, result of habitual sin. I remember when I was an atheist, and uh, I started out as an agnostic, and I became more and more progressively, more and more hardcore in my atheism. I ended up being a solipsist, a Satanist, and all the rest, as you all know. But what, what saved me was uh, my sin. What, what saved me was my sin. Chesterton famously was asked, who would you like to thank for your conversion? He said, Satan. Because it's, it's Satan that we have to thank for our conversion. When we realize that there's evil, that there, when we realize that we are sinners, when we realize we're falling short of the glory of God, when we realize that we're not being virtuous, we're, we're mucking about in this, filth of our own selfishness, self-love and self-indulgence. When we realize that we're weak, we need a savior, then we turn to God. That's what happened to me. I hated God, I hated religion, but I was confronted by the reality of my sinfulness. Not rocket science, you just observe yourself. Yes, I'm selfish. Yes, yes, I'm vain. Yes, I'm arrogant. Yes, I'm proud. Yes, I, I seek pleasure. And I avoid every inconvenience, every discomfort. And it becomes abundantly clear that we are self-serving 
that we're weak and that we do not even strive for virtue, must let much less achieve perfection in virtue and in the control of our sensuality and our appetites. It's the most convenient observation to make, but somehow we avoid making this observation about our own sinfulness. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So this is the conversion moment where you realize, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, there are evil forces, spirits deceiving us. There is a spiritual battle. Once you see that, you can't unsee it. Then you're confronted with the non-believers who think that it's a bunch of uh, fairy tales and mumbo-jumbo. You just need to uh, direct them toward Christ and the church and hope that they see what you have come to see by the grace of God, which is that you are an unworthy sinner, useless servant, even if you are in any degree righteous. Your righteousness is as filthy rags compared to God. Once you once you see with the mind's eye, by the divine light of your mind, you once you see what who and what God is, your sinfulness becomes very apparent. You can't unsee it. Every day, not a day goes by that I don't think about my shameful sins. I don't beat myself up. It's just it's just a pledge of my continuing commitment to the all good creator who created me twice. Gave me physical manifestation and gave me a soul in my mother's womb. Then he recreated me at my entry into full communion with the Holy Roman Catholic Church. He recreated me twice. So I've been created three times because I was created at uh, baptism as an infant, recreated at baptism three months old, and then I was recreated a second time as an adult when I converted to church. So we're constantly being recreated by God. And God, uh, St. Augustine famously said that God created us the first time in the womb without our help, but he will not recreate us. He will not save us without our consent, without our cooperation, without our help. But it's always by God's grace. Let's cooperate with God's grace. Excellent, excellent text here, Gaudium et Spes. You got to read it. Uh, continuing with the next highlight, only in freedom can man direct himself toward goodness. The atheists today deny free will. This is key, very key to Satan's plan to blind materialists. They, de they deny having free will. It's unbelievable. Only in freedom can man direct himself toward goodness. Our contemporaries make much of this freedom and pursue it eagerly, and rightly so, be sure. Often, however, they foster it perversely as a license for doing whatever pleases them, even if it is evil. I thank God for Gaudium et Spes. I thank God for the Second Vatican Council and the Holy Council Fathers who gathered, over 2,000 of them gathered over four years, four sessions, uh, to put together this amazing document and all the amazing documents of Vatican II. Mind-blowing. Mind-boggling. What a revelation. I use that term in its broadest general sense. It's not a, it's not a divine revelation. It's not a public revelation. For its part, authentic freedom is an exceptional sign of the divine image within man. Amen. What I've been saying on my podcast. What's the proof of God? Your freedom. You're denying God and you're denying freedom. I'm talking to a vending machine right now. Because you deny, you deny that you're able to freely choose among rational options when you agitate. You decide how to respond to me your snarky, with your snarky anti-theist comment. 
you're just a calculating machine. You have no free will in that, right? So I'm, I'm talking to a vending machine. Why I'm glib. Very glib with the atheist, usually. Because they're a self-professed vending machine. For God has willed that man be left in the hand of his own counsel. Private interpretation, private judgment, leaning on your own understanding. Woe. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. This is powerful, powerful stuff. For its part, authentic freedom is an exceptional sign of the divine image within man. For God has willed that man be left in the hand of his own counsel, so that he can seek his creator spontaneously and come freely to utter and blissful perfection through loyalty to him. Hence, man's dignity demands that he act according to a knowledge and to a knowing and free choice. We have free will and reason. Amazing. And it's being denied. Both are being denied by the secular materialists. According to a knowing and free choice, such a choice is personally motivated and prompted from within. It does not result from blind internal impulse, nor from mere external pressure. Amen. Man achieves such dignity when, emancipating himself from all captivity to passion, he pursues his goal in a spontaneous choice of what is good, and procures for himself, through effective and skillful action, apt means to that end. In my case, I joined the Catholic Church. I didn't believe it, but I joined it. I wanted to worship God. I wanted to find out which of the three monotheistic religions, if any, is the one true religion. And I came to know and understand and believe, by the grace of God, that it's the Holy Roman Catholic Church. That was a spontaneous choice to follow the good that led me to church. Since man's freedom has been damaged by sin, only by the help of God's grace can he bring such a relationship with God into full flower. Amen. Before the judgment seat of God, each man must render an account of his own life, whether he has done good or evil. If that won't wake you from your slumber, nothing will. You're dead. You're already dead. Read Gaudium et Spes. If you're not a theist, read Gaudium et Spes. If it doesn't awake you from your slumber, you're already dead. Simple as that. Very, very powerful stuff. Continuing now, all this holds true not only for Christians, but for all men of goodwill in whose hearts grace works in an unseen way. For since Christ died for all men, and since the ultimate vocation of man is in fact one and divine, we ought to believe that the Holy Spirit, in a manner known only to God, offers to every man the possibility of being associated with this Paschal mystery. Amen. Chapter 2, The Community of Mankind. Respect and love ought to be extended also to those who think or act differently than we do in social, political, and religious matters, too. In fact, the more deeply we come to understand their ways of thinking through such courtesy and love, the more easily we'll, will we be able to enter into dialogue with them. This is part of my podcast philosophy, the new evangelization. Meeting people where they are, not judging their heart. We can't judge the heart. Everyone's seeking the truth, hopefully, more or less, to a greater or lesser degree, depending on how much, uh, what they've been through and how they're cooperating with the graces that they receive in the light of conscience they have. 
This love and goodwill, to be sure, must in no way render us indifferent to truth and goodness. So it's not uh, everything goes watered down faith. The Catholic Church now accepts that Hinduism is just as good as Judaism is. Scientology is good as Catholicism. Oh, you, you go your way, I'll go my way, I'll meet you in heaven. No. There's one truth. There's one Christ. There's one Lord. There's one church. There's one baptism. There's one shepherd. But it is necessary to distinguish between error, which always merits... Okay, let me back up here. This love and goodwill, to be sure, must in no way render us indifferent to truth and goodness. Indeed, love itself impels the disciples of Christ to speak the saving truth to all men. But it is necessary to distinguish between error, which always merits repudiation, and the person in error who never loses the dignity of being a person, even when he is flawed by false or inadequate religious notions. Love the sinner, hate the sin. This is classic Vatican II, classic Catholic Church. God alone is the judge and searcher of hearts. For that reason, he forbids us to make judgments about the internal guilt of anyone. That internal guilt, it's the subjective part. The intellect and the free will. How much do you know? How free are you how freely are you choosing to do what you do and to think what you think and to say what you say? How much freedom is there? There are constraints or limitations. Everyone has a story, everyone has a back backstory, and everyone has mitigating circumstances. So we need to be uh, cautious about judging that internal world, that internal guilt, and only judge the externals objective externals the teaching of christ even requires that we forgive injuries and extends the law of love to include every enemy according to the command of the new law you have heard that it was said thou shalt love thy neighbor and shall hate thy enemy but i say to you love your enemies do good to those who hate you and pray for those who persecute and calumniate the words of our lord very powerful document. Let, yet, yet there are those who, while professing grand and rather noble sentiments, nevertheless in reality live always as if they cared nothing for the needs of society. Many in various places even make light of social laws and precepts and do not hesitate to resort to various frauds and deceptions in avoiding just taxes or other debts due to society. Others think little of certain norms of social life, for example, those designed for the protection of health or laws establishing speed limits. They do not even avert the fact that by such indifference, they imperil their own life and that of others. I'm guilty of this. I bike around the city of Montreal like a complete madman, ignoring every uh, civil law, all the traffic laws, because I, I enjoy freedom. I enjoy just tooling around and not being stuck in traffic and not not respecting uh, stop signs, traffic lights, uh, driving on sidewalks, going the wrong way on one-way streets. This is a, a, a general confession. I've confessed this so many times to so many priests, and uh, most priests say, don't worry about it. Uh, a few priests have said, uh, that's not right, you should curb that behavior. And so it's on my list of things to do. I've got to, I've got to start curbing that. I remember for a week or two, I was trying to obey all the traffic laws. And uh, I was annoyed, and everyone who was uh, biking with me, because occasionally I do bike with people, everyone who was biking with me was also very annoyed, because it's, it's annoying. It's annoying following the laws of traffic when you're on a bicycle. Very, very annoying. But um, 
It's on my list of things to do to form traffic laws. It's a tough one, really tough one for me. Continuing now, the church guards the heritage of God's word and draws from it religious and moral principles without always having at hand the solution to particular problems. It's not like we are Catholics, we have to stop thinking like, oh, the church tells me rule 13b subsection 2 that uh, in this particular complicated real life situation, the appropriate thoughts, words, and deeds, and omissions are X, Y, and Z. It doesn't work like that. We have to think. We have to exercise our freedom and our virtue. Very complicated. All human activity, but we have principles. All human activity constantly imperiled by man's pride and deranged self-love. That's a nice term. I like that. Deranged self-love. Guilty as charged, must be purified and perfected by the power of Christ's cross and resurrection. For redeemed by Christ and made a new creature in the Holy Spirit, man is able to love the things themselves created by God and ought to do so. Things are good, ontologically. He can receive them from God and respect and reverence them as flowing constantly from the hand of God. Grateful to his benefactor for these creatures, things, Using and enjoying them in detachment and liberty of spirit, man is led forward into a true possession of the world, as having nothing yet possessing all things. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Very beautiful, very powerful. And all based on that principle that God created a good world. God looked at his creation, he said it is good. He looked at the creation of man, he said it is very good. You're made in his image and likeness. Continuing. Now the gifts of the Spirit are diverse, are diverse. He calls some to give clear witness to the desire for a heavenly home and to keep that desire green among the human family. He summons others to dedicate themselves to the earthly service of men and to make ready the material of the celestial realm by this ministry of theirs. We're not all robots. We're not all called to rest the same obviously. United on behalf of heavenly values and enriched by them, this family has been constituted and organized in the world as a society by Christ and is equipped with those means which befit it as a visible and social unity. Thus the church, at once a visible assembly and a spiritual community, goes forward together with humanity and experiences the same earthly lot which the world does. He serves as a leaven and as a kind of soul for human society as it is to be renewed in Christ and transformed into God's family. Very beautiful image. The Holy Spirit is the soul of the church, and the church is the soul of the world. That the earthly and heavenly city penetrate each other is a fact accessible to faith alone. It remains a mystery of human history, which sin will keep in great disarray until the splendor of God's Son is fully revealed. Pursuing the saving purpose which is proper to her, the church not only communicates divine life to men, but in some way casts the reflected light of that life over the entire earth. She does not, she, uh, excuse me, this she does most of all by her healing and elevating impact on the dignity of the person, by the way in which she strengthens the seams of human society and imbues in everyday activity of men with a deeper meaning and importance. Thus, through her, individual members and her whole community, the church be believes 
she can contribute greatly toward making the family of man and its history more human. In addition, the Catholic Church gladly holds in high esteem the things which other Christian churches or ecclesial communities have done or are doing cooperatively by way of achieving the same goal. At the same time, she, firmly con she is firmly convinced that she can be abundantly and variously helped by the world in the matter of preparing the ground for the gospel. This help she gains from the talents and industry of individuals and from human society as a whole. There is no isolation of the church. There is no fear of contamination from non-Catholic Christians, from non-Christians, from non-theists. There is no fear of contamination. There's no fear of Satan. Satan is helping also. Satan is helping the church. Satan is helping God. And Satan is doing God's will. So if Satan is doing God's will, if Satan is part of God's plan, Satan and his demons are constructively helping. This is part of their punishment, by the way. This is what annoys and frustrates Satan and his demons. Everything they do helps God and his plan. If that's the case, then certainly your neighbor, who's made in the image and likeness of God, is helping God's plan too. That's it for now. Thanks for being here. We'll talk soon. God bless. As little as one dollar per month, you can support the charitable mission of CVS, which has already enrolled hundreds of guests and patrons and their immediate families in the Scalabrini League of the Missionary Fathers of St. Charles Borromeo. By your generous support, you too participate in these benefits. A special Mass offered on each day of the year and the devotion and good works performed by the members of the society. Thank you for your generous support.